Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Kevin McDonald, and speaking of a better way to be, I have a young lady on the phone with me who is living life large and is living her life in a better way. And uh, her name is Katie Evans. I've known her for uh, 20 years. She walked into the studio when I was doing a show at KKNW, and she had the show right after me, and we had an opportunity to to get to know each other a little bit. She is a dynamic individual. She's uh, fun-loving. She's got a business, to, and uh, she just works with everybody, and she's just she's just an awesome lady. So I've been so pleased. I was trying to get you, Katie, on the show for a long time. I'm glad you're finally here. Me too, Kevin. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, I'm excited to be here. It is just awesome because you are, well, first of all, let's get the nuts and bolts out of the way. You are an entrepreneur. You've been doing this yes. for a long time. Tell us about your, your work and what you do. Well, I started about 36 years ago. Um, so I, I, I'm a bad employee. So <laughs> I figured I, I better start my own and kind of never look back. Uh, right now, I am, well, in, in my previous iterations. I was CEO of Living Light Hypnosis Centers. Now I'm the Empress because I'm the boss. I gave myself a new title. I can do that. <laughs> and uh, what I do is help people lose weight in a healthy way all over the world. I have uh, taped some of my classes and people can order those on my website and I have got free things to give away and I do phone consultations. So I stay geeky and uh, and mostly carve out enough time to play because that's really important in my life and hopefully in everybody's life. Absolutely. Now your website is living light now.com and light is spelled L I T E living light now.com. And if you go there, you can click on a link and get a free uh, weight loss hypnosis MP3. Did I mention I'm a hypnotist? That way I was going to go there next. Uh, how does hypnosis play into the weight loss program? Well, it helps make everything easier. See, all of our habits are stored in, in your subconscious mind. So when you find yourself sitting down to TV and you automatically get up and go pop some popcorn or get some cookies or ice cream or whatever, there's, there's a habitual factor to that. And what we like to do is find out why it's working for you and give you better tools so it doesn't work so well. Um, most people right now are experiencing what I call the uh, quarantine 15. <laughs> Back 100 years ago, it was the freshman 15 when I was in college. We gained about 15 pounds since we've been quarantined because we're bored, we're scared, we're, we're cooped up. And um, so we turn to food, to comfort food. By the way, you know the people that bought all the toilet paper? At the beginning of the of the quarantine, yes, I, they did in Washington. I don't know if they did it in other cities, but in Washington, you know, Costco was like out of toilet paper, which is ridiculous. So these people discovered that since they couldn't go to work, they were short of funds, and a lot of them tried to take the toilet paper back, and no store could take, would take the returns. So there you are. That's. <laughs> 
I could I, I could not believe that toilet paper and, and if if you're not from Washington, and I'm sure it happened pretty much everywhere. Um, because people, I guess it's the basic needs in life that you really want to make sure you take care of, but they would, uh, the, the, but they got to the point where they were rationing toilet paper, only one roll, only one. I know roll. some stores still are. Really? Roll. <laughs> See you tomorrow. <laughs> well, you know, you know, the sad thing is too, is now with COVID and stuff, I can sit in my computer, I can order my groceries. <laughs> And I don't have to think twice about it, uh, what I'm ordering, and then I forgot what I ordered, so sometimes I order it twice, and then, then somebody brings it to my door, and so I don't have to, I don't have, I, I could be like, uh, like uh, who, who was it in, in Star Wars, that uh, the, the, uh, the big giant. Uh, uh, Darth Vader? No, no, no. Job of the Hut. Yeah, job. I could be like Job of the Hut. Just sit here on my couch and go, hey, 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 uh, give me some more ice cream, that's it. And can I, you know, because we don't have to go, we don't have to go do anything, or or we can ju- we can just sit here. And I'm of the age, like like you know, I'm um I'm a mature male, and so yeah. now I I don't want to go out because I you know because I, if you get if you get this stuff, you could be you could be done. I know, and you know it's really funny. The government is saying open the stores, open the theaters, open the schools. And they're, so they're opening them, and nobody's showing up. <laughs> you wonder <Go> why. <laughs> yeah. Except maybe the bars in Florida, which. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, and, and this is to sidetrack just a little bit, but I am so angry. I am so angry that, that we don't have this virus under control. It's yeah. spreading like wildfire, and some idiot who lives in Washington, D.C., is saying, oh, open the schools. They'll be fine. It's like mm-hmm. what? one child dies because we opened the schools too soon. I'm going to, well, I can't say that. The Secret Service will come after me. But, but uh, <laughs> No, we don't have to do anything but vote. Ah, good point. But here's my frustration, Kevin. I see. I, I sit here and watch 135,000 dead, 100, you know, and he's going, well, it could have been a million. First of all, there is no coulda. You don't know what coulda is. Right. And is there nothing we can do? Is there nothing we can do? We have to wait and vote. Thank God Washington has early voting and mail voting. We've had mail voting, mail in voting for years. And I love it. Everybody I know loves it. Oh, so do I. We'll take our ballot, ballots down to the to the ballot box if we want but um yeah we, we get the votes counted and, and we're in we're out nobody gets hurt <laughs> <laughs> nobody no and, and well and other states are starting to go that way but there's a segment yeah. that are saying oh you know i've never heard of there being any fraud in washington and we have total mail-in voting there you can't go cast your ballot at a school or anything like you used to it's 100 percent mail-in and i've never heard of any fraud no, in fact, check this out. One time I, you have to sign your, your outside, out, the envelope outside the ballot. Right. And then you put that in your mailing it, that envelope. So I signed the, my, my name and uh, sent it off. And a few days later, I got a phone call from the Secretary of State's office, Washington Secretary of State. Is this uh, Catherine Evans? I think I changed it to Katie on my ballot. Anyway, Katie or Catherine. I said, yes, it is. Did you vote on blah, blah, blah? I said, yes. He said, well, we're just checking because your signature didn't look exactly like you um, typically sign your 
ballot. Really? Went, How cool is this? Double checking on me. I said, well, I was probably hung over or something. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for checking. And I'm sure I voted correctly. <laughs> Isn't but, that wonderful? Oh, that that, that is... Called. That is a great story. That is absolutely awesome because we have we have the technology. We can do this. It's not that hard. Well, we're very lucky. I was listening to Governor Jay Inslee, our governor, uh, talking the other day, and he said, people in Washington are really smart. We like science. We like technology. And we get it. And so when our numbers started going up, our, our COVID numbers started going up again, you know, everybody just, just huddled right up. And we know how to get them down. Yeah, so, we do. you know, do what you're supposed to do. And you, you got the never maskers out there who I here's what I wish. And I know this is a very kind and gentle radio show, Kevin. Here's what I wish <laughs> that they had a little tattoo on their forehead that says NM never masker. <laughs> so that when they get sick, they can go to the bottom of the line at the uh, ICU. How about that? I think that. you can do what you want, but you have penalties. It's like the Goya guy. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. The guy with the beans? Yep. And and the right the right is going, oh, you shouldn't punish him for free speech. Speech is free. Consequences may cost you. And you know, the thing about that is it's the free market. It's free market tool boycotting. And the right's supposed to be all about the free market. What's up with that? <laughs> and here's another thing. It's your body, so you don't have to wear a mask. I know all you guys are going to vote for pro-choice candidates because it's my body, too. I Did don't. That? Yeah. I don't, what I don't understand is the folks. I, I, I'll give you an example. I was listening to a guy. I'm not going to say his name nor the organization he works with because I'm not going to promote it. Uh, okay. But he's a right-wing idiot, and mm-hmm. he was complaining and saying that it's freedom of choice and they shouldn't wear a mask and all this kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what, if you're not wearing a mask and you get my mother sick, I'm going to come after you with a shotgun because that's just not fair. You should, you have to take responsibility for yourself and for the other folks around you because. Well, you remember free. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was on the free phone. speech. When the, when the uh, Supreme court ruled on free speech, they said, but you can't yell fire in a movie theater. Right. That's not free speech. Free speech is not not wearing a mask. Right. It, you know, I, it's deeper than that, though. It's deeper. Your show is about care and concern. And when I see somebody without a mask, I, I really feel uncared for. Oh, yeah. Because we're all, we're, we're all in this together. That's right. I, I mean, the way I figure it, the only way out of this is we're all in this together. That's right. And I need to take, I I was thinking about it. How can love solve this COVID problem? Well, one thing, because I love the planet, I get my gloves on and I pick up all the, uh, the old gloves and masks that are strewn out everywhere. And hypodermic needles and everything else. Yeah. 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 And because I love you, I wear a mask because I love my grandchildren. I keep my distance from them. So this is the only way out of this is love. Exactly right. And, and so we got to get to a deeper level rather than I'm not wearing a mask just because. That's right. Just, you know, let's think about this a little bit, people. <laughs> that's, that's right. And you know what, what, what really frightens me is I can see this. That there is, there's somebody in the White House 
and is telling the President of the United States, let's just let this take its course. And he's not going to say that out loud, but his actions speak louder than words. And because he's not doing anything, he's disavowing uh, Dr. Fauci. He's doing all, they're doing all kinds of things to, to um, say it's a, a conspiracy theory and it's, it's a hoax and stuff. I really honestly think that somebody's in there saying, well, you know, if you just let it take its course, it will go in It'll go away It'll eventually. Yeah. It'll disappear. But the, pro- right, Mother's Day. But the problem is a lot of people are going to die in the process. Yeah. They didn't have to. They didn't have to. So uh, we'll, yeah, we'll was, just vote them out. <laughs> All of them. And we got to vote out. Have you seen the, um, the Lincoln Project TV commercials? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, but some of our audience may not. So talk about it. The Lincoln Project is a group of... Republicans who produce amazing commercials for uh, TV as well as Internet that are just tell the truth. And mostly they tell the truth using um, the words of those who should no longer be in office. And I'm, I'm being kind. The enablers, the, the Mitch McConnells, Moscow Mitch, uh, Joni Ernst, um, Tom Tillis. All these people who have enabled uh, president, we're not saying it, the name that cannot be said. <laughs> 45. We're going with 45. That's perfect. Yeah. That have enabled him because he couldn't do this alone. That have, that have even in, in light of all the evidence, voted not to, he got impeached, voted not to convict. They all have to go. They're, they are the swamp, and they have to go with votes, which is why they are so desperately trying to minimize how many people get to vote. Exactly. They're trying to limit, they're trying to limit the access to voting so that uh, affluent white people, for lack of anything else, can vote, and, the, and people in the, uh, in, that are not affluent and not white, or, or they, they, can't, they don't get access to it. Right. You know, the, it, it, when um, Georgia had the, the election recently and all the people stood in line for hours yes. to vote, that wasn't happening in the white burbs. They had plenty of polling places open, plenty of poll workers. It was just happening in the minority of color communities. And here's a question I have, Kevin. Why do we have minority and of color communities? There's a fine question right there. It occurred to me when he was running that he said something about the black part of town. And I went, why do we have a black part of town? There should, there should not be a black part of town. Okay. I was listening to a commentator locally here in Seattle. And he said, the reason that there's a food desert in the, the CD is the central district, which they used to call the black part of town. Now they call that part of town East Capitol Hill because there's so many white people there. Yeah. In any case, I used to live there. And it's a food desert. And this commentator was saying, well, we, had, we took fruits and vegetables in there and nobody bought them. You know what? When I lived there, I saw the quality of the crap they sent. The fruits and vegetables, I wouldn't buy it either. But I could get in my car and go over to the rich part of town and, and buy good fruits and vegetables. Same 
chain, same grocery store chain. And they would send crap to the inner city. I wouldn't buy it. But, you know, you yep. got to think a little deeper on this stuff. You you really do, because we as a society, like like it says in my opening, we are all one. It doesn't matter whether we're black, white, uh, Hispanic, uh, Asian. We're we're all we we're all God's creatures, and we're all one. And we need to start treating each other that way. And we we're going to have to start at the at the very beginning, at the very bottom, because as people who listen to this podcast a lot know, I drove a bus for eleven years. So I got to see the base of the base of the base of humanity. And I'm here to tell you, in the biggest, most powerful country in the world, we should not have those people living the way that they live. We should, yeah. we should be able to do so much better than that. I'm thinking one aircraft carrier could provide free college tuition for everybody. <laughs> yeah. One aircraft carrier less. You know, a few, a Space Force. Okay, we don't need Space Force. Here's the deal. To me, all of warfare has changed. And the military doesn't like that because the military industrial complex, as President Eisenhower right. talked about, they, you know, that's too much money coming their way. So we simply have to vote them out. Yes, we the do. People in there, vote them out. That's, that's our weapon. Get people in there who will. Uh, the military budget is what over fifty percent of the total budget of the United States. We spend th this year. Um, we we spend over seven hundred and fifty billion dollars on our military, which is more than the next top ten, ten countries combined. Combined. So if we just let's just say cut it, just we're just spitballing here. <laughs> Cut it in half. So you got four hundred billion to play with still, and three hundred fifty billion to education and infrastructure. Yeah, so, you know what's the big deal? Well, and and you and you said it really, really well in that um, warfare has changed. World War One was trench warfare. World War Two yeah. was was tank basically warfare and airplanes and and stuff those can't exist today you can't have the the russia or or um china is not going to send three million people across somebody's border it just doesn't it it, it doesn't work that way anymore the right. weapons are too sophisticated and it can right. cause too and so they they're now fighting a cyber war you've heard of that oh yeah and in other ways of, of getting to us and other than starting a war, a shooting war. And they can accomplish just as much by doing uh, cyber war as they can uh, having a shooting war. More. Yes. I mean, you saw what they did for an election last year. They, yeah. <laughs> last, in 2016. Well, you know, and I, have you heard of, and I've been wanting to talk about this, so you're a good person to talk about it with. Are you familiar with, uh, have you heard of Q? For those of you that are going, huh? What do you mean, Q? QAnon. Uh, QAnon. QAnon, QAnon yeah. is an is a loose organization of folks that are interested in conspiracy theories. 
Uh, I thought it was just one guy deep state in well, the Trump administration. Well, what it Alleged. is is if they have taken uh, there is some guy that has gotten onto like 4chan and some of these some of these dark uh, uh, reader sites, and he start, has started posting stuff. And somebody else took it to mean that he is in the government and he is uh, he's in the know, and that and that and that the president of the United States is is trying to combat the dark forces of the Democratic. Did you notice all the people that they yell about and they're talking about are all Democrats? And none of them are Republicans. I'm, all the pedophiles. And all the people that go to jail are Republicans. <laughs> you noticed that too, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I mean, the, the, I want these people to put a cue on their forehead so that I know who they are. Right. There's not that many of them, but they are on the media. Yes. You know, I, I don't. One thing I don't understand about the right wing brain is why they think. There's so many conspiracies. <laughs> Nobody can keep a secret. <laughs> That's right. So why do you think these are all these secret conspiracies that only you know about? And, and it's just amazing to me. Well, and see, a small group of people. See, and here's here's the thing that I that they don't seem to get, and that is that uh, we as a group, like a large, take a large group of people, we're not that smart that we can all think in unison <laughs> that way and all do the same thing and all hide it the same way and nobody ever gets it out. It's, it, we're just not that bright. Yeah, and we can't keep a secret. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's been proven. The leaks. Yeah, all the leaks coming out of Washington, D.C. Oh my gosh. Yeah, nobody can keep a secret anymore. So, no, it's it, uh, yeah, I know the truth. Really, it's like like uh, Trump's trade advisor. What's his name? Um, Navarro. He used to be on TV. Yeah, Navarro. Navarro. That's right. He doesn't believe Peter Fauci. I'm going really, and you're the expert in <laughs> what? So it's just um, it's pretty scary. It, it amazes me that somebody actually gives him gives him the, the time of day. Although yesterday, I have to say, it's gotten so bad. Do you remember? I remember when, and we can go back into the mists of time. Do, do you remember when, it, when the president was speaking from the Rose Garden? That it was yesterday? Uh, not yesterday, but years ago. Prior, okay. prior presidents. It was an important oh. event. People would say... President's going to talk at four o'clock. Everybody, and then and then they were going to preempt local programming, and we would be right. on four, five, seven, eleven. No, four, five, and seven, yeah, yeah. and all that. And yeah. I, <laughs> yesterday, I turned on the TV. I did a podcast, and I turned on the TV, and the commentator was talking. They said, "President's in the Rose Garden. If he has anything meaningful to say, we'll cut to him." <laughs> it's, it's like that's where we are now with, as, with the institution of the presidency of the United States. Nobody believes him, and so nobody they're not even able to bother to, to listen to him. Mm. But they are very effective at messaging. Yes, they are. I got an email from my cousin who lives in Greece, and she's, she's born, in, born and raised in Greece. I mean, she's Greek. Excuse me. And um, she's a judge. So judges 
you know, they want to weigh the evidence. So she sends me an email that says, I heard that Joe Biden has Alzheimer's and he can't even put a, a sentence together. So that's what they're putting out on the, on the internet, the interwebs. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it worked in part with Hillary. So we're trying it with Uncle Joe. So, and this is, you know, so I just emailed him and I said, all this nonsense will be over in November. She said, well, we'll be so glad. <laughs> Greece had, I think, like fewer than a thousand cases. This is a country of 10 million people. They have fewer than a thousand cases of COVID, like a hundred and maybe died. And it was over. And I said, why? And number one, we believe in science. They had a woman, they have a woman um, prime minister. Most of the places that have succeeded have had women in charge, just saying. Angela Merkel's got her doctorate in like theoretical chemistry or some, you know, really smart topic. Um, but the, the Greeks believe in science. They respect their elders. They want to protect their elders. There's a lot of multi-generational families. And, uh, it, and, and there were several other reasons that Greece and other countries like that just said, oh, here's the problem. Here's what we know. Here's what we can learn from other countries and people. Here's what we'll do. Boom, boom, boom. As my Greek grandmother used to say, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> There's a story, a great story, when um, all the people came out and said, yeah, well, we'll a few old people are, are going to die. The right wing was saying. And I, it reminded me of a story my Greek grandmother used to tell me, that there came a time in a village in Crete where uh, money was short and the coffers were getting very small for the for the king and he decided that there were too many people on the dole you know they, they were having to take care of too many old people so the the decree came out that when everybody reached a certain age they would go up to a certain mountain and their eldest child would push them off well yeah and take care of population control <laughs> <laughs> yeah but now that i are one of them i'm not sure that i want to go that way bingo yeah, so so a man reached that certain age, and his son said, "Father, it's time to go up to the to the mountain to be pushed off." And he says, "Okay." And so they walk up to the mountain, and the son says, "Father, where would you like me to push you from? What spot would you like to stand on?" And the father turns around, and he says, "I want to stand on the same spot you're going to stand on when it's your turn." Oh. <laughs> yeah. It is amazing so, to me that, that somebody can look so cavalierly on 136,000 people in five months. Think about that. Remember what happened when they knocked down the World Trade Center buildings? 3,000 people died. And we mobilized, and but still, Bush said, go shopping. You know, we need to participate in this, and we need to participate in a in a in a healthy, uh, contributory way. You know, ask us to do something. Forty-five. Ask us to do something, because our governors are asking it, and we're doing it. Our mayors are asking it, and we're doing it. Oh, absolutely. Well, you remember you. Well, you're you're not old enough to remember it, but I remember in history books, uh, in World War Two, 
we did things like um, instead of using copper for pennies, they use steel. And you can, I, I still have some today where um, steel pennies, which is what they use because they were using copper for bullets. Uh, gas was being rationed. Food was being rationed. And, and, and everybody, all the women that were, had been housewives before, they went to work in support of the military because we had a cause. We were all one. We were all, all in it together. We were all in it together. And we, this, I can't believe that, the, that we could have any kind of a divide about, about this, this pandemic because we are all in jeopardy. We are all one. And for somebody to say, I'm not going to wear a mask, mask because I believe in free speech. Well, you know, that you're an idiot. You know, I think of my nephew who, who did. We really don't know how many tours of Iraq and Afghanistan he did because he was special ops. But I know he was in the desert with all this, wearing all this gear with masks on and night goggles on and helmets and all this heavy, hot gear on. And I think about him and what he did for his country. And where you can't even wear a mask for your country? What's up with that? It doesn't seem like it's a, it's a stretch. Somebody said, well, it's uncomfortable. I said, yeah, try a ventilator. <laughs> I don't want to be confined in my house. Yeah, try a coffin. Well, I, you know, what, what, what's really scary, Katie, is that, by the way, we're talking with Katie Evans. She is the uh, owner of Living Light and uh, Living Night Hypnosis. And we're going to give her the, the website again for you to go talk to her because she, she's phenomenal. And she can really help you lose that 15 pounds that you're gaining sitting around ordering from Amazon. Um, but, <laughs> but, but, and pizza. And pizza, exactly. And <laughs> although I had to laugh. My son comes over here and I buy him, you know, dinner and we have it delivered. It was like two pizzas, some breadsticks was $65 to have it delivered. What, what, uh, and how much went for delivery? Oh, did a, a bunch of it. And, and, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, um, um, begrudge. begrudge those guys because they got to make a living too. And we got to yeah. contribute to the society and contribute to it. But yeah. it's, uh, uh, if, if we could all just get together and recognize that this is real, there are still people in our country, believe it or not, who don't even think that this is real. I know. But, you know, tinfoil is, uh, <laughs> stock is <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's just, it's just phenomenal to me that, that, uh, we as a country can have such a divide and we're, we, the divide is getting even worse. Let me run this one, one by you and t- tell me if you think, you know, talking about Black Lives Matter, and by the way, on the podcast, I've got several episodes that talk about, <laughs> one of them was really funny because I was talking to five young uh, African-American guys. They were all about 20 each. And I said, uh, you know, the last time I got stopped, I got stopped by a motorcycle cop, and I didn't think that I had done anything wrong and uh, I thought that I was driving the speed limit. Turns out that I was speeding because the speed limit changed on me. And, uh, and so I, I got out of my car and started walking towards the cop. And, and to a man, these, these young men said, you were crazy. Yeah. We would no more get out of our car yeah. and start walking towards a cop 
than fly to the moon because we would be dead now. Yeah. And it was because I was a short, fat, white guy driving an old little car that that this guy and he didn't he didn't even think twice about it. He he just was you know. But you can't. So I was talking about the blended families and and you know uh, uh, a white man and a black woman they have kids they're a blended family now. That's the way our country is going to be, and it scares a certain segment of our population to death. Yeah, I uh, my belief is that when all the children are golden. We will have no more racism, no more prejudice. I agree. Golden children, and they're so beautiful. Oh, they so, really are. In, in fact, if if you watch watch the movie Selma, it's about the uh, riots on the Edmund Pettus Bridge back in the day. Yep. Uh, the sixties and John Lewis. Yep. Uh, if you watch them walking over the bridge together when they finally made it over in the final scene. And then watch when President Obama led the march 50 years later. You will see how much lighter all the African-Americans are and how much darker all the white people are. Because it's getting to the point where you can't tell anymore. Right. And that's when, that's when it'll – people say all the time, I don't see color. And I say, you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Why mess around? Cause that's, that's a racist thing to say, but I got to tell you a great story. I have um, my great nieces and they're very close. And one of them I think was probably about seven years old and the Obamas had just gotten into the white house. And I got the book with Michelle and Barack on the cover of the book, um, walking in the inaugural parade together. And I pointed to Michelle Obama and I said to my little great niece, do you know who that is? And she looked at her and she said, you. That's colorblind. Yes. Isn't that cool? Oh, Isn't that, that a cool story? That, that really is. Because, you know, and the thing is, what, what, my, uh, um, when my kids were in school, they're, they're in their uh, late 20s and early 30s now. But, but even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, the kids, and thank God for the kids, because they're growing up in a completely different world than we yeah. did. Yeah. And for them, race has no... I was listening to, to a couple of kids on, on my bus one day, and they were talking about um, the, the boys that they were dating. And uh, one of the girls said, so what is he? Well, he's, he's part white, and he's part, he's part uh, Jamaican, and he's part Asian, and, and Japanese, and stuff. And, and they were talking in, in terms of, there's no big deal, just it's like... Nationality. Just a nationality that they were from. And, and it's like, we as a culture don't seem to recognize that somebody that may have darker skin than us may have, and probably does, have white ancestorage, or somebody that's very close to them that that is white, uh, even even President Obama is had a white mom, and and stuff. And why do we why do we s segment people that 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 look different, but we don't know what their background is, and uh, yeah, they you know it's like it's like I'm Irish, German, and uh, and French. Well, if one of them was a black country, then I would be considered African American. That doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense to me. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm yep. I had my one of my nieces was explained when she was in kindergarten. 
telling me about, about one of her friends. I said, what does he look like? And she said, well, his skin is darker than mine. She was describing him rather than labeling him. Yes. I thought, how cool is that? That's it. We, and then, and that, that's and then end of story. Now let's talk about something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and 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 it honestly doesn't matter. The only the only thing that matters to me, as far as what's going on with the African American community, is that they're not getting the opportunities that other 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 communities have because they don't live in affluent areas, and so the schools don't make as much money. The kids are—they're not—they're not. The kids are not being educated in the same way, and that's—that's—it's to our all of our detriment. Because some of these kids are extraordinarily bright, and they just don't—they feel like they are stuck, that they don't have any hope. That's the biggest thing that I sense from driving the bus for those years, is that there are so many people that lack hope. They don't believe that they are capable of getting anywhere because they haven't seen it. Right. Yeah. They used to give uh, IQ tests in the inner city. Uh, and they, uh, I remember one story was, you know, there's a cow. What's this? They've never seen a cow. So these are called culture bound, uh, you know, tests. And they're, they're designed to prove that these children are less than. And then they teach them that way. I got to tell you a story that happened to me when I really, really got clear on on white privilege and and racism, institutional racism. And I, the, the term white privilege had not been coined back in the 70s when this happened to me. I had a friend in college, David, who uh, was African-American. And after we graduated from college, we both bought, bought real estate. So we became, you know, like real estate buddies. On, and compare notes and what are we going to do and this. And I had, a, I had a triplex and he had a couple of rental houses. We were, you know, buddies. So what we liked to do, because we were real estate nerds as well, uh, was on Sundays we'd go see open houses because they had all the open houses on back when you can actually go see a house. Right. And we'd go all over the city and see what was available and we'd get some design ideas, you know, dream when we could afford places like that. So we were over in West Seattle, which was a pretty white community back in the 70s. And we're driving home on uh, Alki Avenue, which is right, which abuts the Puget Sound. So it's right on the water, across the street from the water. And I see a for rent sign. I said, well, let's go see what the places here look like, you know, and what, what they're charging for rent here. So we pulled over to the side of the street back when you could still park on the street because there weren't too, so many cars. Right. And I noticed that as we pulled past this little sandwich board, which I had noticed, a woman ran out and picked it up and ran back in the office. I thought, well, that's kind of odd. So we went into the office and another woman, a different woman was there. And we'd like to see a two bedroom apartment. And he's black. I'm white. We don't think anything of it. She says, okay. So they take me, take us around to the back of the building, down some stairs into this nasty, dank, dingy, dark apartment. And I'm thinking, something's not right here. I said, is this all you have available? She said, yeah. I said, how much is it? She named an exorbitant price. I said, we'll get back to you. We walked away. 
And I said, now, why would they have a sandwich board out for an open house for apartments? For, and that's all they have available. Something's not right. And David said, it happens all the time to me. And this, David, my friend, was so ebullient and so full of life and so wonderful. And I just watched the life drain out of him. It happens all the time. And you want to hear what white privilege sounds like? I said, not to me it doesn't. No, 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 no. I said, you let me handle this. Got home. Excuse me. Back to Capitol Hill. <clears throat> called a friend of mine, a white woman. I said, come on, let's go look for an apartment tomorrow. She said, what? <laughs> and I explained the situation. She says, okay. So we go over to the same place the next day because I am furious. And I'm going to ride this energy. We go over the next day to the same place. And they showed, we'd like to see a two-bedroom apartment. Well, of course, they showed us to the front of the apartment, built, apartment building. This was kind of a sprawling complex. Right on the water, beautiful windows, huge windows, lots of light, beautifully appointed. I said, and, and I said, how much? She said, same price as the one yesterday. But she didn't know anything. The woman showing us was not the same woman, nothing. So I took her information, and we wa we'll get back to you. We walked away. <clears throat> I said, we're going to have some fun. Cause I think this stuff is fun because I don't because white privilege, right? Right. So I walk. So I go home and I call a friend of mine who's Natuni, who's African American, because I want him to have some skin in the game, as it were. And I said, can you find out who owns this building? Because I think we got a case. And he calls me back, and the owner of the building, it's run, it's owned by the estate of, and if you lived in Seattle, you'd know the name back in the 70s. Very famous family. I said, oh, this is going to be good. I said, here's what we want to do. I want you to call the, the attorneys and tell them what happened. I wrote it out. And um, let me know what happens. He called me back the next day. This, this is moving fast. He says, they want to meet with you. <laughs> Less than a week later, I'm sitting in a, in a fancy schmancy lawyer's office with my lawyer, just me and the lawyer. And there are two or three lawyers. And I said, this is what happened, and it's not right. The Fair Housing Act had been passed. Well, to make a long story even more entertaining... When I walked out of there less than an hour later, <clears throat> I had a check for $10,000 in my hand. Holy this was the 1970s. A commitment that I think it was three or four of the units there would be Section 8 housing, which is for low-income housing in a nice part of town. And also that they would excuse me, all of the employees of that company, not just the real estate part, but the whole company would go through, they didn't call it diversity training then. They called it education, you know, minority educate, whatever it was called. They all had to go through that. And they said, and of course, we're going to fire the woman, the women from the Sunday experience. I said, no, 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 don't fire them, educate them. Because I guarantee you, they'll never do this again. But I want them educated, and I want them out there talking to the public. So that's my white privilege story. So what I want you to do, all of your listeners, we can do something. Everybody can do something. We need to do something at this level. 
go look at an apartment with a, a here's, here's what I like to say. Call your black friends. Oh, wait, you don't have any black friends? Meet some black friends. <laughs> they're everywhere, you know. They're just like us. They're just like everybody. That church, your kids' schools, uh, the doctor's office, um, wherever you go, there are black people. And there are Asian people. And there are people of color. And what you have to do is when you notice something going wrong, you have to stop it. That's how we use white privilege. Okay, it's my rant over now. My rant time is over. <laughs> so, so the so the question is, what'd you do with the ten grand? Well, I split it with David. There you I, go. <laughs> yeah, and then we paid, gave a little something to the and the lawyer got his money separate, and we we um, gave a little something to my friend who was the white woman who went with me. Oh yeah, I handed him a check for five thousand dollars. I said, "This is how we stop this." He was blown away. He had no idea we could do something like that. So needless to say, every Sunday, <laughs> we went apartment shopping. <laughs> Hope, hoping that you could get another payday out of it. Yeah. And educate people doing, at the same time. Yeah. When you're doing wrong, you got to pay. One way or another. And the easiest way for them to pay was money, but I also wanted them to pay with having, see, that's how we stopped having the black part of town. Exactly. Section 8 housing in West Seattle on the water now. Because we, and we all have to get some, <clears throat> you should pardon the expression, skin in the game. We got to get some white skin in the game. Yeah, we do. I mean, one commentator, one right-wing commentator was noticing that in Seattle, and here's how he put it, they put the white people in front when confronting the police. And his his partner said, well, maybe they wanted to be in the front <laughs> to, you know, protect the black people. They put the white people, really, really? No. You, you, it's time to, we put our bodies between our black brothers and sisters and people who would do them harm. It's time. It's past time. It's way past time. I can't believe that you and I are sitting here in 2020 having the same conversation that would have happened in the seventies and <clears throat> the eighties and, and how little now it, 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 we're not hanging people anymore, which is, I suppose that's a good thing. Oh yeah. They're trying in They're, some places. And and the, the hanging is more sophisticated than it used to be, but it's still, we have got... It's still lynching. Yes. And we, but we still have got um, a situation in this country that's got to, it's just simply got to change because we can't continue to operate like this. And, and, and every... Go ahead. No, go ahead. And white people have to make it happen. See, there was no way this could have happened. My my situation, and I've got a bunch more stories like this. We'll, we'll talk later. There was no way that situation could have happened with if if we weren't black and white. Exactly, exactly. And and if you were not as a white person, if you were not willing to stand up and say this is bullshit and this is just wrong, and I'm not going to stand here and take it, and I'm going to get paid. 
<laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, sometimes money is the only way that they get it. Um, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, back in this in this early 70s, 10 grand was a significant amount of money. It was. <laughs> Not to them. Yeah. David was so thrilled. He had no idea. And I said, OK, time to march. So, in, you know, I went to the University of Washington. We marched. We, we ended a war. We I didn't march with Dr. King, but I marched because of him. So I, I marched in an immigrant uh, protest a few years ago, and my sign said, Proud Descendant of Illegal Immigrants. My grandmother came over here illegally from Greece, but I'm white, so it's okay. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's, they'll look past that. I don't, I don't know about you, but I, living in Washington, I've met a fair degree of illegal aliens. Mm-hmm. Um. But unfortunately, but fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of them are white people that came down from Canada, and nobody's yeah. yelling and building a wall about that. But we're doing we're doing it because the brown people want to come here. Um, I got I, I got to tell you a quick story about about my experience with with um, uh, the different races and 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 working and that kind of stuff. I was in the restaurant business for a long time. And uh, we had, I was running Mexican restaurants. Have you ever seen what a dish wash station in a Mexican restaurant looks like with the amount of grease oh and God. all? Yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's beyond nasty. Yeah. It's beyond nasty. And so so I was um, um, the general manager of, the, of this facility in Federal Way. It no longer exists like most of the restaurants I ever worked at. I wonder why yeah. that could be. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I think there's a connection anyway exactly (laughs) but in in, in any event um i had um when i first got there there were three teenage white boys that were in the dish pit and without fail i had to hire a new one every week because at least one out of the three would walk out in the middle of the shift Ah. and leave the and leave their uh, apron like on the on the uh, dumpster and was like we'll never see him again they wouldn't even come and pick up their t- paycheck they were just like this <laughs> this is this is too friggin' gross too for us we're not gonna do this and too hard yeah. it's t- too hard and so one day a uh a hispanic young man comes in and uh he's he said senor looking for a job and I, and i said okay um, and he had the appropriate paperwork and stuff. This is back in the time of Reagan, and they had just com- done, done the uh, the law, and they changed some of the stuff that you had to have. And the and he, but he had all the documentation. So I brought him in, and uh, uh, he spent one night with two white teenagers that were washing dishes with him. And he came to me and he said, "Senor, you're looking for more help." And I said, "I said, yeah." I, I I am, and he said, "Well, I have a friend come mine. Come over and see you." So the next the next day, he brings his friend in, and he's and uh, he said, "I want to train my friend to be a dishwasher. You don't have to pay him." And I said, oh, "Of course, I'm going to pay him, and uh, we're going to well, you know, I'll I'll hire him, and if he's got the paperwork, and he did, so I hired him. So then I had two guys that were both um um they as it turns out they were both from Mexico, um and uh, and so I had two guys and a white guy. And in the dish pit at the end of the second night, the, the guy comes back to me, says, Senor, why don't you get rid of the other white guy? And then he and I'll just do the dishes and you pay us a dollar an hour more. <laughs> and I said, well, gee, now let me see. I'm paying each of you $5 an hour. At that time, it was $5 an hour. Yeah. 
And it's like, okay, I'll pay each a dollar fifty more. I'll save two bucks an hour, and you guys do a great job. And they said, great. The place never looks better than ever. And they and it got to the point where they would be standing around. The place was immaculate, and they would be standing around waiting for more dishes because they knew how to work. And they were and they and and they were really really good at what they did. And and that taught me that uh, work ethic has nothing to do with where you come from. It has to do with who you are and how you're raised and, and how, how hard you're willing to work. These guys ended up making more money as dishwashers than some of the cooks did because they did such a phenomenal job. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Well, well, of course. And, and that, that taught me, you know, and taught every, everybody a lot about, about you know, because you, you hear at least in those days, I would hear, yeah, the Mexicans, they're, they're just kind of lazy, you know, and it's, that's a bunch of bullshit. They, they're not only... Stereotypical. They're very stereotypical, and they not only are not lazy, they're very ambitious. I knew one guy, a couple of guys, he was, one guy was a, was a busboy at one of our restaurants, and he was a busboy here. He was a principal in Mexico, but he could make more money as a busboy here, so he would work... He, for a period of time, he would work 80 hours a week, two jobs. He would send one uh, paycheck back to Mexico to support his family and live on the other one. And there were like five or six or seven guys living in a two-bedroom apartment here so that they could do that because this was the American dream. We had the American dream. We could we could do that for folks. And, uh, and now we have a place where we're putting them in jail. And taking their children. And taking their children, and and it's it's just wrong what we're doing, and, and and you know if if people could recognize, if they actually saw what it was that we are doing on the Mexican border to people and detaining them and separating them from their families and stuff, I think if you're not if you're not ashamed and embarrassed, you should be. Being done in our name. Yes, and I'm paying for it. Mm-hmm. Private contractors, yes, and, donors, big donors, and and we are we you know and even our taxes are going to to ICE and those and we have fundamentally have to change who we are as a people. And I am so glad that I've had the time to talk to you because you're the type of people I would follow you. Why don't you run for office? By the way, <laughs> oh no, thank you. I, I I am a PCO, a precinct committee officer for the Democrats here in uh, Everett, Washington. So I do have a a little bit of skin in the game, but I've I've been politically active since George Bush, George W. Bush, since 2000. Um, so I, uh, I cut my teeth when I was older. I, I used to tell people, why are you involved in Move On or ACLU or anything? I, said, I was raised by Birchers, the John Birch Society, the grandparents of the Tea Party. And uh, I always knew something just wasn't right. My brain was just different. It was just different. And so I uh, I got out of that relatively unscathed. So now <laughs> I have a question. Since, since, since you're of the opposite sex, I have a question for you. Sure. How can any woman in the world justify what our president said on the Hollywood tape about mm -hmm. grabbing women by the hoo-hoo, and how can they justify supporting him? Because he was sent by the Lord. 
and it's just locker room talk and and these people are the uneducated they and it's just simply true they people without a high school or college degree or with just a high school or less are his that's his base you know so a, 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 a evangelical said to me god sent us Donald Trump. I said, yeah, unfortunately, that's not how we elect presidents in this country. <laughs> you know, so God made us trying to make sure we have to keep him. <sighs> Katie, I have to tell you, now you obviously have not been in a boys' locker room. Well, I was, I was in, uh, I played uh, baseball, I wrestled, I played football, I played basketball, I was in the gym, I was in the locker room every day for like six or seven years, and I never heard, not one time, did I hear a group of guys talking about saying, doing what he was talking about doing at all. I'm never, really? I'm, I'm never, no, guys. Guys don't do that because, unless, well, I take that back. I suppose there are a few, and, 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 they, and they are the same type of individual that, that Mr. Trump is. But that's, that's why I know that, that he is dysfunctional, because real men don't talk like that. I did not know that. You're right. I have not been in a men's locker room. But, I, you know. Maybe where those people go. <laughs> I, I, I've seen these people. They don't look like they've been in too many locker rooms. <laughs> well, see, the, the thing is, is that, that if you have a girlfriend like in high school, and I had, I had a girlfriend, I had, I had a couple of them and, and, and stuff, but you, res, you tend to respect them because what you don't want to do is you don't want to start talking about intimate details of your relationship with them because – who knows? We like we said earlier. Nobody can keep a secret, and she's liable to find out, and then you're a dead man. And so, and and plus the fact it's icky. It, it that is it makes my skin crawl. It's just it's just icky behavior. Yeah. Good point. Good point. I never thought about that part. So when I when, didn't know. So when they said when they said, "Oh, it's just locker room talk." That is just the biggest bunch of horseshit. Nobody talks like that in a locker room. Um, most men have got a, a respect for for the opposite sex that yeah. other other than you know the, 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 apparently the crowd that he travels in <laughs> not so much right so. right the Jeffrey Epstein crowd uh yeah yeah I was real 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 sad that to to hear some of the names that had been on his jet and stuff so that was kind yeah. of sad but. That's, you know, yeah. there are some guys that are just icky. That's a technical term. Can I term. quote you on that? Yeah. <laughs> That's a clinical term we use. That is. That is. Katie, I've been keeping you here for a whole hour. I really have enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Thank you, Kevin. It's been, it's been great fun. By the way, if you would like to lose the 15 pounds that you just gained so that you can fit back into your work clothes when you go back to work, Go talk to Katie, and uh, and Katie, they can contact you. How? Uh, livinglightnow.com. Light is spelled L-I-T-E. Or you can Google Living Light Hypnosis. And at the on the homepage, you'll see a little, uh, a little banner that says, if you'd like a free MP3 for weight loss hypnosis, click here. 
and you can click there and get your free download and um, start losing weight right away easily with hypnosis. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. And you can also feel better, too. Yeah. Relax, chill, bed. Exactly. So Katie Evans has been our guest and I, and I thank you ever so much for being here and we are going to, by the way, just this by way of an announcement, uh, I'm going to have to take this uh, podcast into a little bit more of a political nature than I'm, I've been used to because this, this election, I'm 62 years old. I'll be 63 in September. This election by far, by far is the most important election of my lifetime. Do you agree? Absolutely. I don't know if the, if the, if the Republic can take another four more years. And that's not just me saying it. That's his niece saying it as well. The clinical psychologist who wrote the book. Have you read the book book yet? Not yet. I got, I got it on audio. Oh, wow. I'm getting ready to listen. Awesome. 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 So if Katie, if you'll hang with me for just a second, I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. And then, and then I, and then we'll talk for just a second more, if you wouldn't mind. Absolutely. Okay. And just everybody, you know, take care of each other. Wear a mask. Be good. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.